Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for January 17th, 2023. What we do here on today's word is every morning we gather around the word of God. We look at different things from scripture and then we apply it to our lives. This is today's word. We turn the corner from information to application. We turn our learning into living. We study the word of God in a way that the Bible is not a textbook to study, but it's a life book to live. We've been looking at the miracles of Jesus. Today, we're going to look at Jesus walking on water. We're really going to look at the setup for it. This is going to be Jesus had feelings. I want you to know that our God, Jesus in the flesh, he had feelings and he knew how to channel those emotions to the glory of God. I want you to get ready to receive the word. I want you to put this in the chat. Thank God for a God who can understand us. Uh, it, we, we don't serve a high priest, the Bible says, who doesn't have feelings or who doesn't understand our feelings or our emotions. Jesus came in the flesh so that he could understand us. So I want us to get ready for the word this morning. All right. So before we get into the word, I've been sharing with you Psalms 126 and verse four every morning. I'm going to go back to that again this morning. This is a scripture that uh, was shared at my church. And I believe that we're going to stand on this word pretty much all year long. The Bible says Psalms 26 and verse four from the Passion Translation. Now, Lord, do it again. Say, do it again. Put that in the chat. Now, Lord, do it again. Restore us to our former glory. We're in a season right now where the Lord is going to restore us to our former glory. God is going to take us back. I told you that whatever you lost in 2022, whatever you lost from the pandemic till now, some people lost a spring in their step or a smile in their face or a song in their heart or praise on their lips. It was a difficult season for many people. But I'm telling you that right now we're in a new season. Say, it's a new season. Say, say it's a new day. And we've turned the corner. God, God I, I believe this is a season of refreshing for us. This is a season of restoring for us. God is going to restore us to our former glory and even take us to another level. The Bible says, may streams of your refreshing God flow over us until dry hearts are drenched again. Every dry area in your life, I'm telling you, every dry area in your life will be drenched again in this season. Put this in the chat. Say, no dry areas for me. No dry areas. I, I, we're declaring that whatever was dry is going to be restored in this season. This is a season of refreshing and restoring and renewing. Say amen to that. I wish you to receive it. All right. So this is the, the miracle I'm going to deal with now. Jesus walking on water. Really, is Jesus walking on water and is Peter walking on water. But the setup, say the setup. I got to give you the setup for the miracle. This miracle is covered by Matthew, Mark, and John. It's covered in Matthew 14, Mark 6, and John 6. And what I'm going to do is share with you from Matthew chapter 14. But before I can get to Jesus walking in water, I kind of have to give you the, the overall context. And as I give you the context today, we'll deal with Jesus walking on water tomorrow. I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. Re remember today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hone in on the fact that Jesus has feelings. He has emotions and he can, he can identify with us. Uh, put that in the chat. Say, Jesus can identify with me. That means that I can identify with him and he can identify with me. I already dealt with Jesus feeding the 5,000. I didn't really give you the overall context. So let me give you the context today. In Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse six, the Bible says, on Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias, 
danced for the guest and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked for. Now, let me give you this context. John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin, was in jail at this point. John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin, had spoken out against the local government and the local government rulers. And because of that, he was in prison and he was frustrated with Jesus. Now he knew, remember when Mary was pregnant and the Holy Spirit says, hey, Mary, you're pregnant, go to Elizabeth's house. And she walked through the womb. As soon as she walked through the threshold uh, uh, with, with Jesus in the womb, as soon as she walked through the threshold of her cousin Elizabeth's house, the Bible says that her baby leaped in the belly. That was John the Baptist. So they had a relationship from belly to belly, from womb to womb, right? And so he leaped in the belly. And, and then uh, later, uh, obviously, they grew up as cousins. They knew each other. Then later, his cousin baptized him in the wilderness, uh, you know, and he baptized him in the, in the River Jordan. And, and so he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Of course, John the Baptist knew who Jesus was, but John the Baptist was frustrated. He was in jail and he felt like Jesus should come get him out. He told his disciples, go ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? He spoke out of frustration. Jesus was like, well, you go tell my cousin, you know, the blind see, the lame walk, all of that. And so now he's in jail. This is a situation. And it was Herod's birthday. And back then, if you gave your word, you had to do it. So he says, Herod, uh, on Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias, this is his niece, danced and pleased him so much, the ruler, on his birthday that he said, I'll give you whatever you ask for, and I promise that with an oath. That means that I can't take it back. Whatever you ask for, I'll give it to you. So verse eight says, prompted by her mother. So her mother was like, ooh, come here, girl. Let me tell you, this is what I want. So since he said he'll give you whatever you want, ask for what I want. Go ask, tell your, your uncle to bring me here on a platter, the head of John the Baptist. And when the king heard that, he was like, what? Come on now. The Bible says he was distressed, but he already had promised and there were other dinner guests there and he had to be a man of his word. So he ordered for that request to be granted. And so they went and killed John the Baptist and cut his head off and brought his head and to the party and put his head on a platter and presented it. And so they presented it to the girl's mother, just like it, like, like she asked for. In verse 12, John's disciples came and took his body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Now, when Jesus found out that his cousin was killed, now this is his cousin, y'all. When he found out that his cousin was killed, talking about Jesus having emotions like we all do, verse 13 says, when Jesus heard that what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now, let's, I'm going to break all of this down today. But, but listen, when he found out what happened, he withdrew by boat away from everybody to a solitary place. What do you, the Bible doesn't say. But what do you think he was doing at that point? He was praying. He went by himself away from everybody. And he spent a long time with the father. He was moved with, with emotion, obviously, because his cousin was sick. I mean, his cousin was killed. And so he, he was moved. He went by himself. He went, got away from everybody, spent some time with, with the father in prayer. And when he came back, the Bible says that when he came back, uh, there were a bunch of people there. Uh, there was a crowd. And when he came back, he got out of the boat. He sees a crowd. And there in the crowd, there were many sick and Jesus healed them all. So he came back after kind of getting a hold of himself. He came back, moved with compassion. He healed everybody that was in the crowd. And then after he healed everybody that was in the crowd, that's when he fed the 5,000. And then after feeding the 5,000, you know that they picked up 
12 baskets of leftovers. And then after picking up the 12 baskets uh, of leftovers, verse 22 says, immediately after all of that, Jesus made the disciples to get into a boat. He sent them. He said, you go on ahead of me into the water, go to the other side. And then he dismissed the crowd. And after everybody was gone, the disciples were gone. He fed the 5,000, he healed all these people. He's dealing with his cousin. All of this stuff is in his head. Verse 23 says, after he had dismissed them all, crowd gone, disciples gone, everybody's gone. He went up into the mountainside by himself to pray. Jesus, after receiving terrible news, after having a rough day, you ever been there? Where, like you, know, you just had a difficult day, a difficult time. He, he got terrible news. He had a rough day. He went by himself to spend alone time with the Father to pray. We can learn a lot from this. And then I'm going to tell you the whole thing about walking on water. We'll deal with this tomorrow. Then beginning at verse 24, uh, uh, the boat, when he was like, okay, now after praying for hours, he goes out to meet the disciples, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. And the boat was being buffeted by wind and waves because it was a storm. And shortly before dawn, the Bible says, or in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out and walked on water. He caught up with his disciples. And when they saw him, they thought that he was a ghost. They were terrified and, and, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said, take courage, be not afraid. It is I. And verse 28 said, Lord, Peter said, if that's you, then tell me to come on the water. I'll deal with all of that tomorrow. And so what does this mean for you? today. A couple of things. I only, I'm only going to share two things with you this morning because there's so much to kind of cover as I'm setting this up. And I hope that you enjoy this Bible teaching, right? I mean, I'm called to be a teacher, so I have to give you all of these details and take my time. I'm not in a rush. I want to teach you these things so you can glean all of these nuggets from the Word of God. If you're enjoying that, put some comments in the chat. All right, y'all ready? All right, here we go. The first one. Two points for today. Here's number one. Jesus had feelings like we all do. Jesus had feelings like we have feelings. Put this in the chat. Say feelings are okay. You, you got to be able to, to recognize and realize that it's okay to have feelings. It's okay to have emotions. Let me explain. Jesus experienced emotions. Jesus was God in the flesh. Now, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And as a man, he experienced a range of emotions. If you read the Bible, you'll see that he laughed, he cried, and he even became angry, but he sinned not. This shows us that it's okay. It's part of your human experience to have a wide range of emotions. When Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist was killed, he left everybody. He got into a boat. He went by himself. He needed to get a hold of himself. Listen, there will be moments as you walk with God and God walks with you, where you will need to get a hold of yourself. He, he went away to a solitary place. He got away from everyone. He got away from everything. His cousin, John the Baptist, they, they had been connected since the womb, was just killed. And it was killed over something stupid, like frivolous. His cousin was dead. He was upset and he withdrew from everyone and to get away with alone time with the father. Listen, there are going to be times, look at me. There are going to be times, I don't care who you are, there are going to be times where you need to like turn the TV off. You might have to turn the plate over like many of us are fasting right now. You, you, there will be times where you have to get alone with the Father so that you can come back to yourself. There will be moments where you're, you're overwhelmed with emotion to the point where you need to come to grips with yourself. And prayer is a key aspect of your relationship with the Father. As a believer, you have to learn how to pray. Verse 14 says, now after he prayed, 
Verse 14 says, when Jesus came back, got back into the boat, and he landed on the ground. When he landed, he saw a large crowd there, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. After spending time with the Father in prayer, and after getting a hold of himself, he goes back, and now he sees a crowd, and in the crowd, there's a bunch of sick people, and he healed them all. I love this. Why? Because unlike the situation with the man who had been paralyzed for 38 years at the pool of Bethesda. Unlike that situation where Jesus walked past hundreds of sick people and only healed one, in this particular situation, Jesus goes to the crowd and heals everybody. He healed them all. I believe, the Bible doesn't say this, but I believe 1 John 3 and 8 says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Sickness, put this in the chat, sickness is of the devil. Sick, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. If Jesus, if, if sickness in this case was of the father, then Jesus would be fighting against his own father. No, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. I believe this is the way I take it. I'm just, the Bible doesn't say this. This is the way I glean. This is what I glean from it. What I glean from it is this. Jesus like, man, my cousin is dead. Let me get away from everybody. He spends time with the father and the father's like, hey son, remember this is a spiritual thing. You're leading a spiritual kingdom. All right, okay, I got it, I got it. So the enemy, he got us. Like, he hit us with one. He he took one of ours. Okay, whew. All right, let me get back. He comes back. He sees the crowd. He's like, the devil? Okay, devil, you hit me. I'm gonna hit you back. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He says, I'm gonna hit you back. He healed everybody. He healed everybody that was there in the crowd. He comes back. He was like, Satan hit me. I'm gonna hit you back. He comes back. Heals everybody. He's moved with compassion. And then at that point, after he's moved with compassion, after he empathizes uh, with everything that's going on, and after he hits the, the kingdom of darkness back, then, then he feeds everybody, right? He feeds the whole crowd with two fish and five loaves. This example is teaching us that it's okay to have emotions. It's, but you just can't allow your emotions to rule you. You got to rule your emotions. Matter of fact, if you have emotions, you, you're sad angry, happy, all of that. Your emotions can actually help you as you're being led by the Holy Spirit. Your emotions can actually empower you and embolden you to be the man or the woman that God has called you to be. Jesus had emotions. and It was not like he was just walking around like a robot. He had emotions and he controlled the emotions. It is possible that the text is teaching us to be fully human and fully divine. Now, in our case, Jesus was God in the flesh. Je Jesus was God incarnate. He was the incarnation of God. Now, in our case, we're not God in the flesh, but we do have flesh and we're carrying God around in our flesh. So it's not like we're God in the flesh, but we are still human conduits of the divine. Say this and put it in the chat. Say, I am a God carrier. I am walking around with God on the inside of me and I'm taking God into every meeting, every conversation and all the activity that I engage in on, on a daily basis. So, so being led by the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that I have to be void of emotion. Being led by the Holy Spirit doesn't, it doesn't mean that I can't have any emotion and that I can't emote. Jesus was God in the flesh and he still had emotions. And, and, and we are God carriers and we can have emotions. As a matter of fact, when when Jesus found out about his cousin being killed and he went off uh, with the father alone, I believe it drew him closer to the father. Sometimes our emotions, uh, emotions are powerful. They can actually embolden us to draw closer to the father. We draw near to God and he draws near to us. Now, if, we're, if, if our emotions are uncontrolled, put this in the chat. Say, I control my emotions. Now, if, you, if your emotions are uncontrolled, then yeah, 
then those emotions can lead you astray. But when you control your emotions and you channel your emotions, they can propel you into your destiny. Say that. Say, my emotions help propel me into my destiny. My emotions are helping me to become the man or the woman that God has called me to be. I spend time with the Father in prayer. I take control of my emotions. And yes, I can emote, but I do it in a way that is bringing glory to God's name. Say amen to that. All right, number two, Jesus prioritized his alone time with the Father in prayer. Jesus prioritized his alone time with the Father in prayer when he needed it. And you and I, we got to learn how to do the same. In Matthew chapter 14, we're seeing here, Jesus withdrew himself to spend time with the Father alone in prayer, and he did it twice. Not only did he do it the first time when he found out about his cousin, John the Baptist, but after he drew away, came back, healed everybody, then fed the crowd with two fish and five loaves, then when all of that was over, he dismissed the crowd. He dismissed the disciples. He told the disciples, you guys go to the other side, get in the boat. Y'all go. Boat is gone. Disciples are gone. Crowd is gone. Everybody's gone. And after that, he went up into the mountainside by himself to pray. After receiving terrible news, after having a rough day, Jesus sent everyone away. In my house right now, upstairs, we have a prayer room. Now, you don't have to have a physical room, right? You don't have to have a physical prayer room uh, and you don't have to have a designated place. You can pray anywhere. I, I mean, we pray everywhere. We pray in our car, we pray, I pray down here. But I'm saying like, we actually have a physical space that's been dedicated to pray. Now, sometimes you have a rough day. Jesus had a rough day, man. It wasn't easy. His cousin was killed. That's not, that's messed up. And sometimes you just need to get away from everybody. Turn the TV off. Get away from everybody. Like I said, maybe even turn the, turn the plate over and go spend time with the Father in prayer, one-on-one, alone time. Jesus sent the disciples away. Jesus sent the crowd away. Jesus went up into the mountainside to pray. And what I love about this is a lot of people don't point this out. Matter of fact, I just taught on this passage last week at VCMI Bible study, and I didn't point it out, but I'm going to point it out now. Jesus prayed until the fourth watch of the night. The Bible says that when he went walking on water, it was the fourth watch of the night. This tells me that Jesus prayed for hours. You may be saying, well, Brother Pena, what is the fourth watch of the night? So in biblical times, and Bible times, the evening was divided up into four watches. The first watch was from sunset or 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. The second watch was from 9 p.m. to midnight. The third watch was from midnight to 3 a.m. The fourth watch was from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And so the fourth watch of the night, Dr. Joel Gregory, uh, this pastor from, from Texas, I remember I was in the service. He said, the fourth watch of the night is like the law of human existence. It doesn't matter who you are. I remember in the army pulling CQ, pulling guard duty. It seems like that fourth watch of the night from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., that's where everybody gets sleepy. It, he prayed, watch this, from the time he sent the disciples away and the time he sent the crowd away, we can assume that that was evening, maybe six o'clock. We don't know what time it was, but of course it wasn't that late. And so he sends everybody away to go home. And from whatever time that was to the fourth watch of the night, which is 3 a.m., by the way, from whatever time that was to 3 a.m., Jesus spent all that time with the Father in prayer. Jesus prayed for hours, at least six hours. This tells us a few things about Jesus, and this tells us a few things about prayer, and this tells us a few things about us. Let me give you these things so we can close. Jesus was fully God, and he was fully man. As a, and as a man, he needed to spend time with the Father in prayer. Listen, he was a God. He was God in the flesh but he still needed to spend time with the father in prayer. Watch this. 
the fact that Jesus was God in the flesh, the Father didn't give him the autonomy to operate outside of the Father's will. Je no, Jesus could have done anything, but he said, without the Father, I can do nothing. So Jesus did not have the autonomy to operate without the Father. Jesus only said what he heard the Father say. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. Jesus was led by the Father in all things. Jesus said, I did not come down here to do my own will. I came to do the will of him that sent me. This is a very important point. Jesus was not autonomous. Jesus was submitted to the Father in all things. Jesus was sent to this planet to do the will of the Father. If that is true for Jesus, then it's true for me. If that is true for Jesus, then it's true for you. And prayer is a big part of that. Even though Jesus kept a crazy schedule, during his three and a half year uh, uh, stint of ministry, he made time. He prioritized alone time with the Father. Jesus enjoyed his alone time with the Father, so much so that the disciples never said, Jesus, can you teach us to walk on water? Jesus, can you teach us to raise the dead? Jesus, can you teach us to multiply fishes and loaves? No. The only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them to do, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. I don't know what it is about this prayer thing that you have with the Father. But it's like you go away and you spend time with the Father. And when you come back, you are renewed and restored and revived and rejuvenated and ready. When you come back, it's like you have orders from headquarters. When you come back, it's like you have perfect knowledge and wisdom. When you come back, it's like you always know what to do. When you come back, it's like no matter what the challenges that we're facing, you, you're ready for it. Why? Because you spent time with the Father in prayer. Prayer is key and central to you and I being in tune with the Father's will. Put this in the chat. Say, prayer is important to me. You have to prioritize prayer. You have to make time for prayer. Prayer is the key to walking with God, being led by the Holy Spirit in all things, at all times. This passage is showing us that Jesus was in tune with the Father, but he was in tune with the Father because he spent time with the Father in prayer. And if Jesus needed to pray, come on now, who are, who are we? Of course he, we need to pray. The disciples, matter of fact, after he spent time with prayer, in prayer, the father was like, all right, now go catch up with those guys. I'll deal with that tomorrow. He's like, those guys out there battling the storm, they're dealing with the wave, they're dealing with the wind. They, they, got, they were so tired that when Jesus came walking on water, they thought he was a ghost. But this is the type of discernment that you can walk in when you walk with the Holy Spirit, the type of discernment that when you're spending time with the Father in prayer, that you can know what to do. You have perfect knowledge, perfect wisdom in every situation. God will lead you concerning what to do and then how to do it. In 2023, my prayer for you is that you prioritize the Father, that you make time for him in prayer, that you learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Put this in the chat. Say, I learned to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Say, say, I learned to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that, that he's our shepherd and we're his sheep. And as his sheep, uh, we hear his voice and the voice of a stranger we will not follow. So you got to learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? You spend alone time with the Father in prayer. And when you get there, when you spend alone time with the Father in prayer, when you do come out of your prayer closet and you go spend time with other people, at that point, you will know what to do and how to do it. You will know what to say and how to say it. You, you will know how to help people and, and, and who, who to help. And you will know all of this because you have spent time with the Father in prayer. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit in all things and all times. Jesus was led by the, by the Father through the Holy Spirit, but he spent alone time with the Father in prayer. Tomorrow, I'm going to deal with walking on water, but today I needed to set up the story. Jesus had feelings, y'all. And he, he learned how to deal with those feelings. You know how? He spent time with the Father in prayer. As you and I, we prioritize prayer.
in this season and we learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit, we will be led of the Holy Spirit in all things. Put this in the chat, say it out loud. Say, I am led by God's Spirit in all things. That's the goal. I want to be led by God's Spirit in all things at all times in Jesus' name. Say that. Say that. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So listen, that's enough for today. Um, I, I hope that you're enjoying this series. Tomorrow, I'm going to deal with Jesus actually walking on water. So I want you to lift up your voice and speak this over your life as we close out. Say, Father, I thank you for your love and grace. I believe this is a season of refreshing and restoring for me. As I study the miracles of Jesus, my faith is reignited and increase. I see the importance of prioritizing my alone time with you, Father. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. He had emotions like we all do. He felt joy and pain. He felt happiness and sorrow. I do not have a high priest who is not acquainted with my feelings. Jesus felt like I feel, but he never once sinned. I learned from Jesus's example. I embrace my emotions and I control them to the point where they fuel my passion and my energy for you and your purpose. I make time to spend time with you on a regular basis and especially when I'm faced with challenges. Like Jesus, I get away from everyone and everything and I spend time with you in prayer. And like Jesus, I come back renewed, restored, revived, rejuvenated, and ready. I walk with you. You walk with me. You speak. I hear and I obey. I enter into every day informed by your spirit and empowered by your love. This is how I know greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word, so please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting my notes, go to todaysword.org. You get the notes for free. Todaysword.org, click on the big red subscribe button, put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Listen, do me a favor. Two things. Number one, leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing to you. And then number two, share this message on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. I love you and God loves you more. I want you to have an amazing day. The best is, is yet to come for you. Spend time with God in prayer today. See you tomorrow morning. God bless you. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about our ministry or you would like to partner with us in what we're doing in the Caribbean, being a blessing to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic, then please go to ripministries.org. You'll be able to find out more information there. And if you'd like to make a donation, all the donations are tax deductible in the United States. A few months ago, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to set up a coaching and mentorship program, and Isabella and I set that up. And so now we make ourselves available on three different levels for those that want access to us and to learn things about maximizing your potential, increasing your personal productivity, and fulfilling your life's purpose. If you're interested in that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina. 
And then lastly, we have several books and products on rickpina.co. These are products designed to help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have apparel there that will help you represent the grace life. Thank you so much for being a blessing to us. And we pray that our ministry will continue to be a blessing to you. 